everyone. I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer. Welcome to this week's edition of Thursday in the Doghouse, an on-air radio talk show devoted solely to educating and informing you, the dog-owning community, about all things dog. My 30-minute program includes lots of interviews with experts in this field, including veterinarians, dog trainers and behavior specialists, authors, breeders, and rescue and shelter volunteers. I can tell you that while you're listening to my show and hopefully learning more than you ever knew before, I'm also learning. Our interviews are with experts, so you can trust that what they're saying is the real deal. So make sure you put Thursday at 10 a.m. on your weekly calendars every week to listen to Thursday in the Doghouse on WNJC 1360 a.m. In case you just discovered us, or possibly you haven't been able to catch every program, all you have to do is go to my website, www.jerseydogtrainer.com, and click on the page marked Rini's Radio Show. You'll see a huge list of podcast links for all the subjects we've talked about throughout the year. Just click on any of those links that you're interested in, then sit back, relax, listen, and learn. My guest today is Nanette Morgan, a certified professional dog trainer from Santa Clara County, California. She lives with her rescued Siberian Husky, Binks. Her business, Positive Pals Dog Training, specializes in training the family pet and providing support for the newly adopted dog. Nanette also is involved with several Siberian Husky rescue groups by providing assessment and training services for rescued northern breeds. She's co-authored an article in the Chronicle of the Dog called Does Breed Matter? Utilizing the Siberian Husky's Genetic Blueprint When Training. Today our topic will be all about those Siberian Huskies and what challenges they present when training them. But first, let me tell you what services I offer right here in the South Jersey area as a professional dog trainer and behavior consultant. Is your dog always in the doghouse? Does he greet people by jumping all over them? Does she chew your shoes and steal your undies? Guess what? Your dog needs training. Hi, I'm Rini Primeza, the Jersey Dog Trainer, and I train dogs using only positive-based methods. My services include private training right in your own home. I also offer group puppy kindergarten classes starting at eight weeks of age and group classes for adolescent and adult dogs beginning at five months of age. All group classes are held at Dog Days Camp for Canines, 23 West Main Street, Marlton, New Jersey. For more information, please contact me at 609-280-9338 We're on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Again, that's 609-280-9338. We're on the web at www.jerseydogtrainer.com. Good morning, Nanette. Thanks for joining us again in the doghouse. Thanks, Rainey. It's great to be back. Yeah, I enjoy having you here. You're a very interesting woman. So I'm assuming that your favorite breed is the Siberian Husky. Is that correct? Yes, that that would be correct. So what attracts you? What did attract you to them? That you work so closely with them? Well, when I was looking for my, 
next dog as an adult. I had different dogs as a child, but it was a while as an adult before I could have where I had a location where I could have a dog. I started looking at dogs, and I met a lady with some Siberian Huskies at an event, and I talked to her about them, and I liked them. So I started doing a little bit more research, and next thing I knew, I adopted a nine-month-old adolescent full of vinegar husky now. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest, as they say, is history. Some of his issues of reactivity and you know, hyperactivity and all that kind of good stuff got me into being a dog trainer, mm -hmm. which, you know, leads a lot of us to our profession, right? Absolutely, yep. But what attracted me to them is that they're intelligent. I liked that they were somewhat primitive. I had worked with horses for, oh, 15 or so years as, as a hobby, you know, doing dressage and jumping. Mm -hmm. And I liked that they were generally very people-friendly. They generally get along very well with other dogs. That's part of their breeding. Mm -hmm. They're easy to groom, and they have a wicked sense of humor. <laughs> So you'll have to describe what that's all about in a little while. Okay. Is that Binks you're talking about, or this was uh, another dog at, at another time? I adopted at 12 years old now. Okay. All right. Wow, that's a long time. He's mm -hmm. Obviously, he must be very healthy. He is, and good care, uh, exercise, good quality food, mm -hmm. and he probably has good genetics, too. Yeah, really. Let's talk about what it's like to live with these dogs. How do you exercise a dog that was bred to pull, uh, you know, pull these these carts and wagons and um, sleds uh, across the tundra? How do you exercise a dog like that in a warm climate like California? Well, obviously, lots of walks are important, going on hikes when we can, when there's snow, where I live, there's not snow, but about three or four hours away, if it's a good season, there's snow. We go with our rescue group, which is also a club, and we go karting and, and mushing. You can do skajoring on skis. That's using cross-country skis, and you have the dog attached to you in the front with a tow line. Right. A dog or two, and, and you get pulled or dragged <laughs> through, the, through the woods. Um, you can also do some different sports with them. Uh, generally, doing those sort of things is, is probably enough exercise. It depends on the dog. The other thing that's good, too, is if they have a uh, playmate. They have uh, a They're play howling right now because they're probably an ambulance went by, so I don't know if that's <laughs> affecting you hearing me. Yeah, I'm sure. No, no, no. I'm sure it affects their hearing. <laughs> okay. Um, in bad weather, a lot of mental exercise is good for them, which, you know, that's good for other dogs, too. So you can play games with them in the house. You can have mental enrichment toys like Buster Cubes, Kongs, those sort of things. Mm -hmm. So as far as the exercise is concerned, so, all right, you don't always go to places where it's snowy, but when you do, you must have a lot of equipment that you have to store. Well, I do co-own a cart. They're expensive, the the kind we have. They're a three-wheel thing, looks like a chariot kind of. Uh -huh. But our club, Bay Area Siberian Husky Club, the members have different type types of the equipment. So some have sleds, some have sleds and carts, etc. Mm -hmm. So there's always opportunities, as long as we as owners have time, to go to events like once a month to go-karting mm. or, you know, in January, end of January, we're supposed to go mushing. I'm hoping to go up for the day so I can mush the two dogs. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I know in my area, I mean, I have a hard enough time convincing people to take a dog for a walk once a day. It's a little bit difficult. So if you have a high-energy dog, actually, how much physical exercise would you suggest that these dogs have? How many walks a day, and how long would those walks should those walks be for these dogs? Well, Rainy, it would depend on the age of the dog and its temperament, too. Some can be real couch potatoes, but most of them are high energy, like you described. Mm-hmm. So I would say at least a minimum on work days, assuming people work, uh, a half hour, twice a day, okay. roughly. And if they have another playmate, you know, they'll get into some heavy-duty wrestling and that, so that's a little bit of exercise. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, I suggest to owners is to, because they're working breeds, make the dog work for things. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, uh, in order to keep my older guy's obedience skills in in tow, I make him heal to the dinner bowl every night. (laughs) Really? From Mm -hmm. where? so, So where in your house are you asking your dog to heal from? Oh, it's just a small area, but it's the idea is they're being asked to work for something. That is so cool. Well, it's actually, it's nothing original to me. When I first got him, I, like I said, I wasn't a dog trainer at the time, and one of the things that the rescue suggested was try to make them do things like sits mm-hmm. or whatever they know at that point right. before they get their meals. and You know, just basic, what we would probably call nothing in life is free, Correct. right? Yeah. But they mm-hmm. didn't call it that. So it makes sense, though. If the dog's a working dog, it's got to have some kind of job. So mm-hmm. it seemed to work. <laughs> That's terrific. So you get your dog to heal to the dinner bowl. That that's 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 so cool. I really love that idea. Or to, to treats in his crate. So in order to get the treats, he has to heal to get them. So uh-huh. we're using a lot of premax there as right now. Right. What about dogs that don't have a fenced-in yard? Two two questions. Even if they did have a yard, is it good to let them out uh, unsupervised in a in a fenced-in yard? No. <laughs> <laughs> No. I only say that I'm the um, Morgan Hill branch of San Quentin Prison. <laughs> They're very much an escape artist, most of them. Yes, they are. So when we adopt dogs out, we ask a lot of questions. We'll often go do a follow-up checkup or checkup to begin with to see what the environment is that the dog's going to be adopted into. Mm-hmm. You have to have sturdy, at least six-foot fences. Okay. It needs to be proofed around the bottom so they can't dig out. Mm-hmm. Do they often dig out of the yard? They can. Uh-huh. Even though I have proofed all that, when I'm home, if I let the dogs out, I'm always going out to check on them every once in a while because if I don't see them for a bit, that's, you know, a red flag to me. Right. They're definitely not dogs that you should leave out in the yard where when you go to work and that's mm-hmm. not a good idea for any breed. Yeah, I agree. Busy people, mm-hmm. you never know. Mm-hmm. It's just not safe. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they don't have a fenced-in yard, then they really do have to work a little harder to exercise them, correct? Well, let's face it. When we're at work, what do dogs mostly do during the day? Well, hopefully sleeping. Yeah. That's pretty much what they do, probably a few bouts of, of playing. But when you get home, that's definitely a time to take a little walk, and, you know, it's good for the human, too. Mm-hmm. They're known for escaping the yards and things like that. You've Have you ever heard of a dog that didn't have separation anxiety that would try to escape the house? Oh, sure, because it's genetically wired in them to run and explore. Mm. It, a lot of times it has nothing to do with, gener- uh, with separation anxiety. They just want to get out and look around and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. All right, so when you're at work, you you make sure that these dogs are crated, correct? I don't crate them, but I have a, a 
enclosed patio that I keep them in, so they have a large play area to play with each other. Okay. Now, when you when you rescued Binks, was he a, an only dog, or did you have already another dog in place? No, he was an only dog. He was so an only dog. Actually, been an only dog for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And recently, last year, I adopted a, a, a girlfriend for him, another Siberian. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And because he. It was clear to me, well, he was having some separation anxiety things uh, okay. due to some changes in my living situation, right, but right. family situation. But I could tell, though, over that year or year before, he was probably looking to have someone to play with because when I come back from seeing clients, mm-hmm. he, you know, did the vacuum all over me looking for the dog. Right. So it's, and it went well. We mm-hmm. did a trial adoption and, uh, he and the girlfriend are doing quite well. Wonderful. Good. I'm glad to hear that. How about their health issues? Do they have specific health issues, or are they pretty hardy? They're pretty hardy. There's a few things that uh, they could be prone to get if it's not a good breeding, and uh, but most good breeders obviously would check on this first, and that would be juvenile cataracts, really? um, PRA, which is progressive retinal atrophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some lines have some digestion issues. In fact, like what? Um, I think because they're kind of hyper, uh-huh. if they don't have enough exercise, and then probably, you know, however your GI system works when you're, you know, high strung. Right. They are, a lot of them are a little high strung. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been t- doing some studies on this on Iditarod dogs or long-distance racing dogs mm-hmm. because several cases of uh, ulcers okay. have come up with really? dogs. Yeah, mm-hmm. so... There's actually some good studies coming out of that mm-hmm. that's going to benefit all dogs. So a lot of mushers, if they have one or two individuals that are prone to that, will give them Pepsid AC during long races. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is, you know what, Pepsid is a pretty good thing. I mean, it's pretty neutral and pretty safe. Mm-hmm. Um, my own dog had had to take that for quite a while, and he did quite well on it, and now he doesn't need it, thank goodness. All right. Would you consider them easy to train Let's say in, in obedience. Not so much. Okay, and why? They're, in, they're you know, they're very independent. They're very intelligent. Mm-hmm. They're bred that way for a reason. Let's say I was a long-distance racer, and I'm on the back of a sled. I'd have between 14 and 16 dogs in front of me, right? Yeah. They need to make their own decisions regardless of what command I give them to which way to go. And sometimes they will disobey you, and it's because they know it's not good to go forward say that you're going to be crossing a lake frozen lake and there's a soft spot there that you could break through right because of that independence which often is confused with stubbornness it is a little more difficult to train them they're very smart the thing is they don't like a lot of repetition so one of the things i've noticed when i was taking him through obedience and you know other people and the dogs that i work with of course i know this ahead of time so i make sure to challenge the dog uh, with different exercises, but if you were saying doing a sit, after about four sits, that's enough for them. Like, <laughs> All right, I know it. Let's get on with the show here. <laughs> I can identify that. I, I really can. I've met many, many Huskies, and you really do have to keep them mentally occupied on stuff. You have to keep changing things around. You have to give them breaks. You have to play with them in between your training sessions. I mean, you just can't keep working them on the same thing. They get totally bored. <laughs> That's it. They do get totally bored. And that, of course, applies to most of the northern breeds. It's not just Siberians. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, there are some uh, training challenges with them 
the two hardest things are loose leash walking mm-hmm. and coming when called. Absolutely. That's hard for all dogs, but especially with huskies because it's so antithema to their genetic you know, blueprint. Right. Well, listen, you have to help me out here. So you being an expert on <laughs> on the Siberian Husky, give us some really cool ways of training these dogs to walk on a loose leash as close to your your leg as possible. <laughs> Well, a lot of the good things, there's a lot of good stuff out now that there wasn't when, you know, a million years ago when I was training Binks, um, that you can use a clicker and you can hold the treat near your hand and, you know, in a fist and, and every time they're walking near your leg, click and treat, click and treat and then, you know, expand that. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is they do like to run. If you think about it, this is, applies kind of to all dogs, but especially huskies, um, we, when we were walking a dog, we're just, you know, walking, right? And we have two legs. But dogs have four legs. So their normal gait, especially the husky, is a trot. Okay. So we're already in trouble right there, right? Right. No wonder the dog's ahead of us. Yeah. So then if you add in that the husky wants to pull, because that's what they're bred to do, uh-huh. you've got, you know, the mother of all training challenges. <laughs> so... A good thing to do, this idea came from my friend Joe Jakes, who co-authored the article that you mentioned. Right. He's in Salem, Massachusetts at Wigglebum. Mm-hmm. Was, what she does is she would walk the dogs or the dogs she was working with a little bit, and then to reward the dog would trot and jog next to the dog. Mm-hmm. The dog got to do something that was inherently rewarding to the dog, right? right. Exactly. The, the pre-mac again on our shoulder. Right. So that's one way. And most of the other loose leash walking tips that we use with other dogs work well, too. Mm-hmm. The, the penalty yards, um, going backwards. So they pretty soon realize in order to get to point B, they have to stay next to you. Right. And if they don't, then they have to go back to point A again. Right. That's the penalty yard. Yeah. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, be a tree. But I always suggest that people give a... Uh, like a, I guess you'd call a no reward marker before mm-hmm. stopping, so it's not jerking on the dog. I, I never did that be a tree thing. I tried it a few times, and I just find that I could stand there forever. And it's just, I just don't think it's very effective. Maybe some people have better luck with it, it than I do. On the dog. The other thing I like to do is find a street that's a uh, dead end street or a cul de sac, uh-huh. and on a quiet morning. Practice just walking up the middle of the street mm-hmm. with the dog mm-hmm. and changing directions. Like right. If you know skiing, like slalom skiing, mm-hmm. then the dog is forced to pay attention to you, and you're not jerking them or anything, but no. the reason they're forced to pay attention to you is, one, you're not on the sidewalk where it's like a little trail, right? Yes, correct. Like horses in an arena. They get, you know, arena dead because mm-hmm. they know the, the arena. There's nothing to sniff either, so right. they have to pay attention to you. Right. I like walking in the street. I have to walk my own dog in the street. Otherwise, we'd be sniffing every blade of grass. So. Well, yeah. yeah. So that, that helps. Right. The recall, they, they're inherently trained and, and genetically wired to go away from you. Yeah. Because they're in front of the sled, right? Right, right. So the thing is, is that you have to work extra hard on recall. And I wouldn't say it's impossible. I'm working with a, a really good client right now who has adopted two huskies at the same time from one of our uh, humane societies. They're Zibs, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and they're just wonderful dogs. And he, he had, had done prior training with German Shepherds, 
And the, the amount of recall he's gotten on those dogs so far is, is just great. You really? Know? So what is he, he doing? With them. So a lot of back and forth, rewarding them highly, of course, never punishing them for not coming. Right. Uh, the other thing is there, there's a game called Find It that yeah. I learned from Trish King, and it's in her book, Parenting Your Dog. Mm-hmm. And that's fun. You, you toss a treat where they can see it right near you, and you say, find it. And you do that a few times, and you start throwing it a little further away. And then you can incorporate that into recall. So, you know, you call the dog, reward them, and then toss a treat within his line of sight and say, find it, mm-hmm. and then keep going back and forth, kind of a round robin by yourself. Absolutely. It's, it's a fun game. I do that all the time. And it really strengthens the recall. Yep. Mm-hmm. It really strengthens. And that's a great game to play on rainy days, too. Sure. It gets them mentally tired. Yep. Yeah, that's great. All right. I know that this is a pretty versatile dog as far as sports is concerned. So what what types of sports are they good for other than mushing? Can you put them into agility? I mean, would that would that be a good thing or uh, uh, it could be. It depends. There are some uh, Siberian Huskies that have gotten agility titles. It would just depend on the dog and it, how reliable they are off leash. Mm-hmm. That's one of the problems. A lot of the Huskies are just not good to be off-leash, and we advise against it. So okay. it would depend on your, your dog. Right. I was going to try it with Banks, but whenever he was let loose and we were in an enclosed agility thing, he instead he did the uh, victory laps round and round and round <laughs> to the consternation of the trainer. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> so, and me. I'm so sure. we kind of gave that one up. Um, I've done canine freestyle with him. That's a good one. Too. Really? Um, canine freestyle, for anybody that doesn't know what that term means, it's canine, it's doggy dancing. God, I would love to get involved with that. My time is just so limited. It's a whole lot of fun. I mean, you, you teach your dog to dance with you. I think that's excellent, but I've admittedly, I've never seen a husky doing that. I see a lot of golden retrievers and and uh, other types of dogs, but I've never seen a husky do we that. We never competed. We just did it for fun. But it's a good outlet, and because you're moving and you're not repeating stuff over and over again. Right, right. Um, rally would probably be good. Well, yeah, because you're going from one station to another, and so you're not doing things repetitively. Right. And, um, and there have been huskies that have gotten their UDs and all that good stuff. But, again, it depends on the individual dog, and that's really true of any breed. But because huskies tend to not be reliable off-leash, they, you see fewer of them in those types of sports. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to try my dogs with is nose work. Oh, I think yes. that would be excellent. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nose work is just teaching your dog how to use his nose, go find it, tracking. Um, I, I think that's a great activity to, to put any dog in because all dogs have a great sense of smell. They're just oh, they wired do. that way, especially your terriers. My goodness gracious, you could keep them busy for hours having them work their nose. So those are some some things you can do. Okay. And they are good companions. They're great with kids. That's another thing. They're are they? They're really good with kids. Yeah, good. Uh, and they're typically really good with other dogs mm-hmm. um, because they're bred that way, right, to run in a team. Now, you will get every once in a while because they are individuals, one that is uh, snarky with another dog. But it's rare because I am able to usually, and that's not just me, I have other people too, able to put our dogs in a team to do carding or mushing, even though they don't know the other dogs, with no problem. Really? Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you're going to give a report card to the Siberian Husky, it probably say it works well with others. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. What's, what is your opinion about the Iditarod races, uh, dog sled races in Alaska? I think it's fine for well-trained teams. 
and it's getting better. They're putting more stringent rules about how many pre-qualifying races the dogs have to be in before. It used to be only one or two 200-mile mm-hmm. races. Right. Before, but they're getting more difficult or more stringent, I should say, about who they're letting to do it. Mm-hmm. And so that's better overall for the dogs. I do think it's kind of a long haul, but the dogs that have done it successfully um, are used to running miles and miles uh, every day, mm-hmm. uh, even sometime during the summer, even though you, you know, cut back a little bit in the summer to do the, the weather and, and that sort of thing. But it's been way better. This last, I did a rod that we just had in March. There were no dog deaths. What were they not doing that dogs were dying and getting sick and injured? Well, sometimes you can't help it with the sickness, even though they're totally vetted out. If anyone wants to find out a little bit more, they should do a Google on the Iditarod race. Mm -hmm. And they have sections about the pre-race things. They get blood work done. They get an EKG. They're they're totally, literally vetted before they get in the race. Now, is that a new rule, or have they been No, it's always been that way. And there's... Get this. There's a veterinarian at every checkpoint okay. to check on the dogs. The dogs are always first. In fact, there's no human doctors at any of the... the really? Yes. If you if the human gets hurt or something, it's either you, know, you pull out of the race if it's something that you can't continue, mm-hmm. or it, you know maybe the vet will look at you if, <laughs> if it's something that they can look at. But no, it's, it's all for the dogs. And this is where a lot of this medical studies on dogs are coming from. They have found too, that the Iditarod dog's heart and recovery rate and muscle recovery rate is different than the average dog. Well, I imagine that they're much stronger. Am I wrong? Well, they tend to have bigger hearts. Oh, I see. I see. That would make sense. Sure. That would make a lot of sense. It's always the dog comes first. It's mm-hmm. the first thing when they go into checkpoints. Mm-hmm. They, they check, the vet checks each dog. Mm-hmm. The musher carries a record book and has to hand it over to the vet. Mm-hmm. So they're checked, you know, compared to the previous checkpoint. Mm-hmm. There's required uh, mandatory stayovers at different spots or, you know, yeah, two eight hours and one 24 hours. Most people camp a little bit in between, too. Mm-hmm. That's something I'd want to do. My idea of roughing is no chocolate on the pillow at a hotel, but... Uh, <laughs> But no, they really are looked for, looked at after. That's and good. That's they'll good. pull a team even if the musher wants to go on if they feel it's not mm-hmm. in the dog's best. Interest. I know that they've been highly criticized for that. Yeah. So whatever rules they put into place, you know, I like. You well, said, I think it's just good to for people to object to things if something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. But it's always been pretty stringent, and mm-hmm. you're going to have animal rights people protest lots of different things, mm-hmm. I think. Well, we need them to. We need them from. to ba- help balance things out. You know, we, we do need them to always be for the animal, even if it's sometimes it's a little extreme. But like I said, sometimes we need them just to right. balance, help balance things out so that you're not going from one, one extreme to another. Right. Um, so, but I'm glad to hear that about the Iditarod. That makes me feel a lot better. Yeah, it does pull a lot of uh, publicity and Right. People that don't know, right. you know, the intricacies of it mm-hmm. and the good care that the dogs get are the first to throw stones. Nanette, do, you, ignorance, do you, know? you have a blog on your website where that you talk about huskies a lot? 
No, not really. I hope in the new year maybe to do a blog. Uh huh. I think that you would be a great person to do a blog. I mean, you really do know your stuff. You know all about the breed. You're wonderful to talk to. Well, thank you. And uh, I would love to be able to tell listeners where to go for that blog. Do you have other information on your website? I do. I have the article. Yes, um, I would like there. people to read that article. What's your website? www.positivepals.net. And Positive Pals is spelled P-A-W-S-I-T-I-V-E-P-A-L-S. All one word. Okay. You're, you're wonderful. I thank you so much for doing this with me. And I need to come up with another topic so I can get you to come back. You're, you're a lot of fun. So. Thank you so much. So, I always enjoy talking with you and great. conversing with you on our different, uh, lists. That's okay, right. Unfortunately, our time is up and I have to say goodbye, but we'll get, be in touch soon. Yes, well, thank you so much. I always enjoy talking with you. Thanks. And have a wonderful holiday season. You too, darling. Talk to okay. you later. Bye. Bye. Calm down, Duke. Calm down. I know we're out of time. I want to thank all of you for tuning in today. I hope you found the subject of Siberian Huskies to be of interest. I also want to let you know that beginning next Thursday, December 30th, we'll be having a lot more shows where you can call into the station with any questions you might have about your dog. I hope you'll take advantage of that and take advantage of me uh, by calling and, and getting some advice if you if you would like to do that. I hope you have a great holiday season, and I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week on 1360 AM. See you later, guys.